Hello, friends. You are about to listen to episode 75 of the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. Now, I say that humbly, and I tell you right now that that ain't for nothing, because I heard recently that uh, most podcasts don't make it past episode 10. Now, I could try to be proud and say that that has everything to do with us, uh, but I think I would be disingenuous in that. This thing wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for God wanting it to happen. A lot of that goes to the dedication of my team, and I really owe a lot to them. But this is the part where I want to ask you for your help. I don't ask you for money. I don't ever intend to ask you for money. This is entirely an organic thing that we're doing here. And um, the whole point of it is just to get the Word of God out, to help people to see who God is, to see His consistencies through the Bible, to help people to understand that the Bible is relevant today and that God really wants to work in our lives for our good, for our betterment. So if you share in that way of thinking, I want to invite you right now, please share this podcast 75 episodes in, and uh, I think we've got a lot of really good material here that God has helped us to put out. So, like I said, if you if you share that sentiment, the easiest way that you could help us would be to just share the podcast. Go to Facebook, uh, hit the share button on that, um, tell your friends and family about it. This is such an easy way to help get that word out. I mean, that's what we're here for. That is the Great Commission, is for us to get the gospel out to the world. And this is such an easy way for you to help us do that. So please, take a moment, share the podcast, uh, let others enjoy what you have enjoyed to and, and glean what you have gleaned. And that would be the greatest help that you could probably ever give us. So I thank you in advance. And now I will let you listen to episode 75. Humans still want visible leaders that they can put their trust in. And I have yet to see or hear of a human leader that can actually stand up under the weight of human trust. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today is Karen. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. And Tracy. Good morning. Hello. Eric will not be joining us today. He is roughing it in Hawaii. <laughs> roughing it. Oh, Poor Eric. Poor yeah. Eric. How will he tolerate the beach? This is terrible for him. I feel so bad. I know. It sounds awful. Absolutely terrible. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he'll have a chance to drive that road in Hana that he was telling us about, or to yeah. Hana, I guess it is. That sounds, that sounds pretty awesome. I keep, I keep reminding myself that I need to stop what I'm doing and look that up, because it sounds yeah. really neat. Yeah, and it sounds like it's not like an unknown thing, because I was talking about to somebody else who's been to Hawaii, and, and they were, I couldn't remember the name of it. He's like, oh, Hana. Yeah, that's it. So it sounds like this is a like maybe it's kind of a little famous road. So I don't know. Something I'd like to see someday. I've never been to Hawaii. You guys ever been to Hawaii? No. Yep, I've been there a few times. Yeah. So 
it's one of those places I'd like to see. Is oh, there, yeah. uh, hmm? oh, definitely. You definitely want to see it. Yeah, my wife has been there. She was there before she met me. She was she went out there to uh she went out there to go see another guy. What? <laughs> oh yeah, I know I wasn't it's, the only one in her life. I know it's hard you know, to believe. That's really passive aggressive of you to refuse to take her back just because <laughs> I don't know whether I admire you or want to laugh at you. <laughs> well, I just find it unbelievable that there was ever anybody she was interested in before she met me. I mean, I mean, well, come on. She hadn't met you. I that was that. Okay, that's it. But you know, I mean, seriously, she had no gauge on perfection. <laughs> you guys said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that in a cashier's check. <laughs> <coughs> oh my goodness you've got to look up pictures of the road to hana it's super pretty we'll have to do that let's we'll do that yeah it's a place, I'd, place i'd love to see there's a few places in the world i'd like to see some of them i don't know if they're safe to go to anymore uh, but others i think uh would be fantastic like uh new zealand i'd love to see new zealand oh yeah yeah i used to want to see australia until i learned that everything in australia wants to kill you right they're giant, giant house spiders that are as big as a dinner plate. I'm like, no, no, thank you. It's crazy. Come out of your toilet. Oh, yeah. It's no wonder Australia was a prison, you know? Tiger sharks that surround the island. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> anyway, I mean, if somebody, if I had the opportunity, I maybe would still do it, but... Um... But yeah, that one's just not quite so high on my list anymore. It's been a long time since I saw Crocodile Dundee, and now I'm learning that there's a whole lot more to Australia than I ever was actually interested in. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into our discussion today. We are continuing in the book of First Kings in chapter 20. Now, as everybody will recall, if you've been listening, and I hope you've been listening, if not, go back and listen now. But we've been discussing how the... Uh, I'm going to call it the region of Israel because we really can't hardly call it a kingdom anymore. Well, there is still a kingdom of Israel, but the whole region of Israel has been split since the time of Solomon. It's been split into two kingdoms. Now we have what the the uh, we have ten tribes that split off and kept the name of Israel, and two uh, Judah and Benjamin that stayed together, and now they are the kingdom of Judah. And last week we were talking about uh, basically kind of in the era, the era of the King Ahab of Israel and the things that Elijah was doing there. We had some cool stories about um, uh, an awesome <laughs> an awesome showdown between between God and uh, who was the other was it was it Baal? I think it was Baal. Baal. Yeah. It was yeah. Baal. And uh, that's, I mean, it's one, you'd think I'd remember better. It's one of my favorite stories, but a great story of the showdown between God and Baal, where God really shows up and, and just gives everybody uh, a taste of uh, who's in charge and what's See, going and, on. And that's definitely classic. And, you know, that's one of those things that kind of sticks out with you is the, the whole ultimatum, I think, of that whole story. If Baal is a true God, then follow him. And yep. if God is a, is, is the true God, then follow him. But you need to make up your mind. Yeah. It's the ultimate ultimatum. Yeah. Yeah. So that story was great. Well, that has taken place in Israel while Ahab is king. And so we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 20 
Ahab is still king in in Israel, and he is having a little issue with the Syrians. <laughs> and this is beyond little, though. Thirty mm-hmm. kings were with the Syrians, with Syria. Yeah. yeah. So it starts out with kind of an odd, an odd. It was odd in my mind, an odd story. Ben-Hadad of Syria sends this message to Ahab. And he says, I want you to send me, you're going to give me your silver, your gold, all of your most beautiful wives and all your children. They're going to be mine. Now, Tracy, you're, 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 you're the man of the house, right? I if, try. <laughs> <laughs> If if I, I were to head of the house, but there is a neck that controls that movement. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to call you up and be like, "All right, Tracy, all the stuff you like, including your wife, including your kids, uh, I'm just going to take that." How do you feel about that? Take them because you'll return them in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Pick your <Maybe>. poison. <laughs> Well, maybe that's so. That's so. You're saying that was Ahab's strategy. You know, take care of it. (laughs) (laughs) So that was Ahab's strategy, and no wonder he still had Jezebel later in the story. (laughs) That's it. That explains so much. My wife. (laughs) (laughs) And I said that about Ahab, not not my wife. (laughs) (laughs) But it's applicable. It's applicable. <laughs> that, well, that explains so much now about why Ahab decides to go along with this. I, when I'm reading this, I just couldn't believe it. Ahab, I mean, you know, sometimes the way the Bible is written, we have to try to read between the lines. And on this one, I'm just, I'm trying to read between the lines. I'm like, I don't get this at all. Ahab's like, okay. Why? <laughs> He's like, okay, you can have my wives. The, <laughs> I mean, it's like, because, yeah, it's like the pretty wives. Uh, uh, ben Haddad does, doesn't sound like he wants the ugly wives. He just wants the pretty ones. Uh, <laughs> what, is that, what, is that, what does that mean? Like, you know, uh, um, he gave him the best of, of his wives and children. Like the best of? Really? Really? What? Are, <laughs> I have in my notes that I put Karen beside that because I knew she was going to get fired up about that <laughs> one. Well, like, how do, you pick, how do you pick which of your children is the best one? Uh-huh. Like, if you're the king, does that mean it's the heir? Or does that mean, like, it's the ones you like the best? Oh, well, I really like you, so off you go now, sweetheart. I don't know. That's just like, wait, what? Yeah, so if you're the if you're the wife or the kids and you don't get picked to go... You don't right. make a cut. <laughs> you're like, hey, wait. Great. Like, is that is that flattering, or is that... I just don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but, but yeah, Ahab suddenly agrees and i i wasn't sure if, if this was just like his personal stuff or if ben haddad is like asking for this of all of israel but i think it was just his it was just ahab's personal belongings possessions and family but then after he agrees ben haddad pushes it a little further and he's like yeah i'm just gonna send servants and they're they're just gonna take all your stuff everything you like all the good stuff we're just gonna come and take it now Ahab finally goes to some counselors. He's like, what do you think? And they're like, no, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. And uh, they send some challenges back and forth to each other. Saber rattling. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of a, yeah. I'm just going to come take your stuff. Uh, okay. No, I mean all your stuff. 
oh, wait, no, I don't want you to do that. No, we're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, this back and forth thing. Yep. And, goading, uh, in, goading him into a fight. Yeah, I'm sure that was probably it, it was ultimately. Very yeah. manly. I could smell the testosterone while reading that part of it. <laughs> open, the, open the book and there's just this whiff. <laughs> whiff, yes. Is that manliness I smell? Why, yes, it is. <laughs> Well, a prophet comes to Ahab and he tells Ahab that God is going to deliver the Syrians to him. And so Ahab raises up, it says, 232 leaders. That's leaders, not leaders, leaders. <laughs> I don't know why that stuck all of a sudden in my head. Like, leaders of what? <laughs> no, leaders. And he, and he comes up with 7,000 men. And the the patrol that Ben Haddad has sent out, he sees these men's coming. These men's he sees these men's he <laughs> sees these men coming out of Samaria, and Ben Ben Haddad comes up with this bold concept like go take them alive. That was kind of interesting to me. Yeah, we're not going to kill them. Just just go take them alive. But the Israelis, I'm going to call them the Israelis. I guess that's accurate, right? They push back the Syrians. It says in a great slaughter. But then the prophet tells Ahab that the Syrians will be back in the spring. So the servants in Syria, they talk about how they start talking about how the gods, as they put it, of Israel are gods of the hills. So they say, hey, if you know what, if we fight them in the plains, then we'll be stronger than them. Now, I don't know how they came up with this concept that that God was only God in the hills kind of a i guess that gives you sort of a little insight into the the theological mindset of people in the area you know with uh, you know people believing that there's multiple gods and like they would have certain regions on earth where they're going to be stronger it's foreign to my mind you know having a very strong belief in only there being only one god but this is their this is their idea so we're going to we're going to uh we're going we're gonna to try to fight these guys out in the plains, not in the hills, because in the hills, their God is strong. On the plains, surely we're going to be stronger than them. So, so Ben-Hadad sends his guys out to a place called Aphek to fight Israel. Now, I have a note on mine. Do we know how many, how many actual soldiers the Syrians had? Because it says one-on-one, -on -one you know, the Israelis killed their man, and they had a great slaughter. But does it say how many troops they had? Because you'd wonder if maybe you just went with a small band, if it would be easier to fight in the hills. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it more like military and strategically that, you know, maybe if you didn't have a lot of people, you can, you know, kind of do the like close kind of quarter, um, not so much a huge, you know, march up like they used to do and just mow each other down where it was more almost like, you know, close quarter warfare, jungle warfare, mountain warfare, that kind of thing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, oh, if we fight them on the plains, it'll it'll be easier. So I wonder if they were taking a large armada of people against a small 7,000 band, and they thought, okay, that'll be easier. Well, you would, yeah, it sounds like maybe you would think so. Because in verse 27 of uh, chapter 20, it talks about the, the, how the, the is Israeli forces, they're compared to, uh, how do they put it, two little flocks of goats 
and the Syrians filled the countryside. So it is very much a small little band against a giant horde, kind of the way you put it there, Tracy. And they said there were 7,000, so, you know, how many did they bring? And We don't know. Yeah, I didn't see it anywhere. Did you, Karen? No. Yeah, not, no, I, I didn't. didn't. Anything, yeah, I didn't see anything specific there. But it definitely was, uh, uh, it sounded like there was a pretty big, big difference in the forces. Well, it had to be because, you know, if we if we keep going, it's a little, little bit of jumping ahead of ourselves. But they said they killed 100,000. Yeah. 7,000 killed 100,000. That's crazy. Yeah, well, and that happens because the prophet, or at least a prophet, says to Ahab, he said, basically, because the Syrians think that God is only of the hills, but not of the valleys, God is, is going to deliver them to you. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So this is this is a kind of a situation where God is taking something personally, and He is uh, very much going to show up at this battle. And it sounds like not so much so that the Syrians know who 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 God is, but so that Ahab knows who God is. So I found that a little interesting. Being that, um, well, I mean, we know that Ahab has really been misbehaving quite a bit lately um, with all of his idolatry and whatnot. So it's kind of interesting here that God is even stepping up on his behalf. You know what I mean? On his behalf as far as, well, I mean, he's he's leading his nation. If he's stepping up, I don't think of, I guess I don't think of that as necessarily stepping up just on Ahab's behalf. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. he he manages to work for his people in spite of the stupidity of modern day leaders. Speaking of America, uh, no matter uh, what the case is, you know what I mean? Like he still takes action for groups of people, even if the person or group of people in charge are complete and utter morons. He can still act for the people. Mm-hmm. And Israel is still his chosen nation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no that that makes that makes good sense. Yeah, we don't get we 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 all of the perspective we're always given on all these kingdoms is always from the king's perspective. But yeah. but yeah, and maybe maybe more of our leaders would do better if they would if they would l- remember that that their perspective isn't all there is that that their their perspective is affecting 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 Thousands, millions of people, especially like you say in in the case of of the United States, but I mean, world, you know, worldwide, world over, all of these leaders that are just they act. I don't know. I I, I look at them so often. I'm just thinking, why why is this action so important to you? Why must you? Why do you do that? And so often it seems like it's for the purpose of having control, maintaining control, okay. keeping keeping the power and um hmm. well yeah, and, so. And, i mean so i'm thinking back to early days of israel when they asked for a king right mm-hmm. like they they wanted that human power structure and they the last time they had had it was egypt so i'm not sure why they would ask for it except for maybe the blind assumption that their own people wouldn't be susceptible to perfectly normal human weaknesses like yeah well, I think it, it answered like, that when um, when they did ask for a king, it, he, when he told them it was like, this is what you want. And they said, yeah. 
And he they go, because we want to be like the other countries around us. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. It was the whole peer pressure kind of thing. Everybody else is doing it, so we want to do it too. It's like, but you have a good thing. You have something that's working. Yeah. I just, I feel like, I feel like this is probably a very spoiled modern day point of view, but looking back across history, I like to think that if I were given the choice to choose and live long-term under a society run by God or a society run by human representatives, that I would choose the one run by God. But I know how impatient humans in general and me specifically get with unseen guidance like it's that whole like intangible leadership thing gets really complicated and so israel ran into that and they were like and this was chapters and chapters and books ago and they were like no we want a king so we can be like the nations around us that's what we want and samuel wasn't samuel right samuel was like well you know this is this and this and this and this are going to happen and they were like well we want a king anyway he gave them all the foreshadowing of everything that they'd come up against. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so I look at what they're going through now, and part of me just wants to roll my eyes, and part of me is like, no, human nature still wants that. Humans still want visible leaders that they can put their trust in. And I have yet to see or hear of a human leader that can actually stand up under the weight of human trust. You know what I mean? Like... Mm-hmm. Even if God appoints somebody, they're still just a human. Right. Right. Kind of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this battle takes place, and like Tracy was saying, 100,000 Syrians were killed in one day. I mean, that, what a battle. I mean, what in the world would that even look like? I mean, it sounded like, like you said, 7,000. 7, I don't know, I think that was 7,000 leaders, or if that was 7,000 um men of Israel total, but either way, a hundred thousand Syrians killed in a single battle in one day. I can't even imagine. I mean, we've, I think, you know, the last couple of episodes we've talked about, imagine the body, what that looks like the bodies, the bodies. And what do you do with them? And I mean, we know they'll go out and loot, loot them. And, and, uh, you know, I was looking at this too, is that if you go back, it was that the king of Syria actually escaped, and it mentions with his cavalry, which a lot of times the, the foot soldiers were in the front, which means there was a massive amount of foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. But then he had the horses and the chariots with the cavalry probably behind them or off to the side of them to, you know, to flank the other, you know, smaller army. But that's even more people. Mm-hmm. So this, this was a huge, huge undertaking where you don't see that with Israel. You just hear that they had their 7,000, was it leaders or, you know, we don't even know if those were just foot soldiers or what. But, yeah, the odds were definitely stacked against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 100,000 die. The rest all flee back to the city of Aphek. And get this, they get into Aphek, and a wall falls on them. A wall. And, the, and this wall kills 27,000 more. A wall falls, and 27,000 more die. I'm, 
just when I read that, I was like, whoa, how in the world? (laughs) How how do you have so many guys right next to the same wall that you're able to kill 27,000 of them when it falls? And like, wow, unreal, unreal. And that's why we invented engineers. (laughs) Well. There you go. Yeah, the the architecture seems to have not been the the greatest. Maybe when uh, you know when 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 blowing trumpets can knock them down, and then other times it's just <laughs> standing next to them. Apparently, I don't know. <laughs> oh well, Benadad's servants they suggest. I mean, I think they're realizing. Okay, this is not going to happen. I mean, we obviously thought that this was going to go way different than it did, and they suggest. Uh, that uh, Ahab might be merciful if Ben-Hadad surrenders and they show some deference to him. And in an interesting little turn of events, Ahab refers to Ben-Hadad as his, as his brother. Thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, I mean, I've, I remember fighting with my brother, but I don't think we ever had any wars where 127,000 people died. But, um, but he, he does this and the, the servants, they kind of grasp onto this and, so Ben had or Ahab has Ben Hadad brought to him, and Ben Hadad then promises that he'll give back all the cities that his father took. So Ahab lets him go. But now another prophet comes to Ahab, and he has disguised himself as a wounded soldier. If I remember right, he's like got a patch over an eye or what whatnot, and you know really putting it on thick. And he comes in and he says, oh, I was I was given charge over a prisoner and I was told if I lost him, it would cost either my life or a talent of silver. And the prisoner got away while I was busy doing other things. What you know, and he's kind of asking what should happen to me. And Ahab says, well, you've confessed you shirked your duties and the judgment stands. You either need to pay with your life or you need to pay monetarily. And then the prophet removes his disguise and God says to Ahab through the prophet, you let Ben-Hadad go when I put him in your hands. So now your life and your people will take the light, the place of his life and his people or your people. Kind of an interesting, it was an interesting thing to me that, that Ben-Hadad was right there in Ahab's hands. Obviously, obviously God working on this. And Ahab let him go like that. I mean, I I can't say I wouldn't have done the same thing. You know, uh, you've won the battle and things are looking better. And how much more killing do we want? Um, But kind of seems like God was not too happy here that Ben-Hadad got away. But didn't we read just prior to that at the beginning that he knew they were already going to come back in the spring? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, you know, he had the chance to literally, you know, for lack of a better term, cut the head off. Yeah. And didn't. Yeah. Yeah. He had, uh, well, yeah, he had opportunity to prepare and he still only had a relatively small band of, of men. And, but yep. Yep. He has been Haddad placed right in his hands and, and he lets him go. Well, the story shifts here a little bit. Not terribly. We're still talking about King Ahab, but we're introduced to a man named Naboth. And Naboth has a particular vineyard that Ahab wants. 
So Ahab off goes to him and offers to buy him or uh, buy, buy the vineyard or trade him for it. Or, you know, I'll give you I'll give you another piece of ground. But Naboth really isn't interested in this. He decides he doesn't want to part with the land because it was his inheritance. You know, I think a lot of people when they get an inheritance or get a house or get some land, they are quick to sell it. You know, they can make a quick buck. That's not the case with Naboth. He want he wants to hold on to it. It's got some sentimental value to him. Well, Ahab <laughs> Ahab acts very maturely here. <laughs> and out he goes and throws himself on his bed and goes into a hunger strike. <laughs> you say sullen, I say pouting. <laughs> oh man, I mean what this guy is supposed to be a king. This guy is supposed to be a leader. He is supposed to be uh, an example to his people. He's supposed to be, you know, a leader. I mean, ought to be somebody that people would look to and and they would want to emulate. And when Ahab doesn't get his way, he goes and throws a fit. I mean, that's practically literal here. He goes and throws a fit. And I, I can almost imagine him you know, laying on the floor and kicking and screaming and and, and, and he won't eat. <laughs> so his wife, Jezebel, and this is this is another part here of why why Jezebel has such a bad name now. Jezebel learns this story and she tells Ahab, Don't worry about it. You're gonna get you're gonna get this vineyard. And so she writes some letters in Ahab's name. It's like, wait a man up, Ahab. But uh, Jezebel is writing letters in Ahab's name, and she concocts this plot to have Naboth publicly and falsely disgraced and stoned to death. I don't know exactly what happened there, but it's one where the other... uh, It didn't say, did it, what what he got accused of? I don't remember specifically. Yeah, no, it did. Um, Remind me. Remind me, because I didn't write it down on my notes here. In the wrong book. He's blasting God uh, and the king. Yeah, it was like yeah. speaking in, out against God and the king or something like that. That was right. Yeah, that seemed kind of, you know, I, I guess while I was reading first, that at first. Okay, seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring charges that he has cursed both God and the king. So we're going we're gonna to whip up some public indignation here. Yeah, so falsely accused, falsely in disgraced, and it gets him stoned to death not the kind of stone that some people would like to do here in colorado yeah we live in colorado that's a double meaning <laughs> you know there's it's times recreational <laughs> what it's recreational <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> side little side tangent here you know people oftentimes they'll come up and they'll ask you how you doing and rather than just saying oh fine sometimes i'll just greet them with 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 hi how you doing hi yeah this is colorado that has a different meaning there you go (laughs) anyway squirrel um (laughs) sorry but uh so news comes back to jezebel that naboth is dead and she has ahab go take possession of the land and it sounds like hang on hang on it's worse than that she goes and tells ahab okay i I killed Naboth for you. And and then he arises from his bed. Mm-hmm. Honey, here, I killed someone for you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, sweetheart. I'll get up now. 
I'm in a way better mood now that you brought me that news. Ugh. A repulsive bear. Ugh. Well, my wife never killed somebody for me. Well, try going to bed in a sulk. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll try that. I'll talk to her later. Matt, I'm sure you never pouted uh, and uh, had your wife try go out and kill somebody for some land. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, people are so evil. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, God is not going to take this well. And he sends Elijah to Ahab in the vineyard. So Ahab is like, ooh, I'm in my vineyard. I'm going to look at this, look this over. And you got to wonder, you know, did he feel any guilt for it? Did he feel any, or was he just so happy that he got his vineyard, you know? And it almost seems like he's just happy he got his vineyard because he's sounds like he's in there just looking it over. And here comes Elijah. And he says, have you murdered and also taken possession? Well, the answer is obviously yes. Uh, yes. Murdered. There's value to be had in making someone say something out loud. Yeah. And so he tells Ahab, where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, Dogs shall lick your blood. That is ominous. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, just, yeah. The, ooh, yuck. Well, Ahab says to Elijah, have you found me, oh, my enemy? Now, why does, why does Ahab think Elijah is his enemy? Well, I guess, you know, they've been having this back and forth for a while. And, uh, and Ahab obviously is not keeping Elijah in any kind of a high regard. And we're told that the dogs are going to eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. And we'll get to that story eventually. It becomes literally true. But he says that no one has been worse than Ahab because of Jezebel. Jezebel has really been kind of the... She's been that underlying factor in all of Ahab's bad behavior, it sounds like. He, I don't know. She must have done something right for him because he he uh, definitely was doing a lot of bad things on her behalf. But it says that Ahab actually humbles himself and mourns. So something flipped a trigger in Ahab's head. Either, I don't know if it's actual uh, repentance of, of feeling bad about what he's done or if he is just feeling humbled because... Um, he's just learned that things aren't going to go so well for him, but he humbles himself and he mourns. And I guess since he takes on this new mm, attitude, God promises that he'll hold off the, this calamity until Ahab's son is in power. I, can I would say that since God, I, I would say we can assume his sincerity because God can read hearts. Mm-hmm. If you see what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we can take we can take that. But so anyway, yeah, God is going to not have all this misfortune fall upon Ahab, but it'll be his son who has to deal with the issue. So we've talked about this kind of thing before where, I mean, actions have consequences and they always have consequences. And here we kind of get a lesson that sometimes our actions end up having consequences for other people. Something for us to remember. Even though it seems like we might get away with something. Somebody. Hmm? How are you connecting that? What do you mean? Well, here, it's all of his actions 
And he was told that he was going to have the bad things, but all these things that he's had, he's been doing wrong. It's going to culminate in, in issues for his son. So, you know, I mean, we can, we might do things that seem to profit us now, but later on down the road, there's a good chance somebody else, if it's, if it wasn't, you know, the best of, of actions, somebody else somewhere is probably going to have to pay for it in some way or other. So in this case, it's going to be his kid. I'm not sure I believe that entirely. Well, not all the time. I think I believe it in the grand scheme of things as far as like God's ultimate justice goes. But I don't I don't necessarily or at least I haven't seen it play out this way that people reap the rewards of the things they shouldn't do in some way that that they're aware of. I've seen a whole lot of people do bad things and just get away with it. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. And yes, I mean, yes, we know that in the end, God provides justice for everyone. And then it's not up to us to do. Yeah, we OK, we know all of that. But I. I wish that I believed in that sort of it's a it's a non-Christian word, but karma, right? Mm -hmm. Like you act like this, you get this back. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, yeah, well, for sure. And Ahab doesn't get away from it. I mean, things here do happen as we'll get to exactly the way they were they were told i guess maybe a better way to put it would be that the that, you know there's always fingers of the things we do that reach out and affect other people and not just us yeah you know i i think too that's the the key that maybe you know we look at such you know through that little little hole and we don't see the big picture of it all and how it shapes out but you know i kind of i can see karen's point that you know it's you know, it rains on the just and the unjust the same, Yep. Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know if we necessarily, sometimes we're not around to see it. Can it deviate your path? And I kind of go with, you know, Matt here and pull one of those cliches of um, time travel and changing your trajectories along the way. But sometimes you'll ultimately end up in the same place. But what journey did you take to get there? You know, so I think the Lord's will will ultimately done be done. But what path are you going to choose to get there? What what are your actions? How are your actions going to influence what direction and what journey you take? If that you know what I mean, does that yeah. make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, actually, that um, that New Testament story about like, well, hey, you know, an enemy came in the middle of the night and they planted weeds in with your wheat. Should we go tear them out? No, let them grow together. We'll separate them out at the harvest. Right. So in yeah. the meantime, if you're the wheat growing next to a weed and all you see is the weeds around you growing, that can be pretty frustrating. Right. So there's been three years with no war between Syria and Israel. And in this time, at least I think it's in this time, Jehoshaphat has allied himself with Israel. Remember, Jehoshaphat at this point is king of Judah. And he allies himself with Israel through a marriage. I'm assuming probably a daughter of Ahab. Ahab and Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, we don't get that specifically, but the, that's, that jumps into Second Chronicles uh, chapter 18. Very briefly, we're told that that Ahab has, has allied himself by marriage to Israel. So we get sort of a little uh, peace going on between the two kingdoms. And Jehoshaphat 
from Judah goes to visit Ahab in Israel. And Ahab, he, he says, you know, Ramoth Gilead, this town, the city Ramoth Gilead, that really belongs to Israel, but Syria occupies it right now. What do you say, Jehoshaphat? You and I go and fight Israel and take it back. And Jehoshaphat agrees. But he says he wants Ahab to ask God first. <laughs> so, so Ahab is kind of like, yeah, okay, good idea. Well, he goes and gathers the way the Bible puts it is 400 prophets. Well, if you read any of the notes in your Bible, you, these are these are clearly not prophets of God. But they all say, yeah, go up and do it. Go up against Syria. Yeah, you should do it. of the king. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they all say, yep, go do it. And God's going to deliver Syria to you. You should do it. This is what I like about this part is that in my notes, I was like, but Jehoshaphat is quick to point that out and go, wait a minute. None of these are servants of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have at least one somewhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, but yeah, and a- to Ahab's yeah. bad character, at least he speaks the truth at this point. And goes, <laughs> no, because I hate them all. <laughs> well, he does say, well, there's one. There's I, I don't like him because he doesn't say nice things about me. Yeah. His name is Micaiah, but I don't like him because he never says anything good about me. <laughs> so this is. Uh, do we ever get any indication how old Ahab? Well, he's obviously he must be old enough to have children here, but which doesn't necessarily mean he's mature. Clearly not mature. Having tantrums on his bed and and, and, and whatnot when he doesn't get his way. Um, but now, yeah. I, no, I don't want to talk to him because he never says anything good about me. Well, maybe there's a reason, Ahab. Well, all these other prophets, they continue to encourage Ahab, and he's seems like the type of guy who's going to go along with whoever gives him the advice he wants. But nevertheless, a messenger gets sent to Micaiah, and this, this messenger says, okay, we're going to go talk to Ahab, but you know what? All these other prophets, they have been giving... Uh, Ahab, uh, you know, this positive advice to go up against Syria. So uh, it would really be cool if you would do the same thing. Yeah. Little insider tip there. Hey, since we're on our way to see the king, like, yeah, can I just tell you what you should say? (laughs) Yeah. And Micaiah says, well, I tell you what, I'll say what the Lord tells me to say. Uh, So it's like, good on you, Micaiah. Now, but now Micaiah gets to Ahab and. <laughs> but doesn't some, sound, that sound like reminiscent of, was it Balaam? That yeah. said, listen, you know what? You're going to have me come out here and try to curse uh, mm-hmm. God's chosen people. I'm only going to tell you what God tells me to tell you. Yeah. Okay. You but after, you he want. Took, after he took the money. Come on, Balaam. Right. Don't be nasty. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pay me what you want, but this is what I'm going to do for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Micaiah gets to Ahab, and I gotta say, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I, I, I love God's prophets because uh, they, <laughs> you know, we get this idea of them always being very stoic and 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 very, um, uh, very direct with their with their messages and stuff. But Micaiah gets in there, he's like. 
Uh, so uh, you want to go up against Syria, huh? Hey, go ahead. It'll be awesome for you. And I, I, I'm I'm guessing that something about the way he said it tipped off my, uh, Ahab because Ahab very quickly says, how many times do I have to tell you to only tell the truth? Now, uh, Ahab, excuse me, it doesn't sound like you ever really wanted Micaiah to tell the truth. You only wanted him to tell you what you wanted to hear. But um, uh, so I'm guessing that, that Micaiah's attitude was very much like, oh, yeah, sure. Hey. Do what you want. Go ahead. You'll get exactly. You're gonna get exactly what you what you want. But uh, Ahab doesn't now doesn't like the way it, it came to him. So Micaiah says, "Okay, fine." Uh, the way he puts it, a lying spirit has been put into the mouths of all of your prophets, and but God has declared disaster against you. Well, Ahab doesn't like that message. Once again. So once again. <laughs> So he has Micaiah put in prison, he says, until I return in peace. And Micaiah says, if you ever return in peace, then it means that God has not spoken by me. I wonder how long he actually sat in, sat in prison. Do we ever yeah. find out? I wonder if we ever find out. Well, for all I know, he died in prison. I don't know. I don't think we heard. It certainly wasn't in our reading. I don't remember not it being in that reading. Yeah. But... Ahab and Jehoshaphat go ahead and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now, Jehoshaphat, I don't know why you're going to Ramoth Gilead because you now know that, well, maybe he didn't know. I don't know. But you know that the, the one prophet of God who seems to have spoken up on this said it was going to be bad. But they go to Ramoth Gilead. Now, Ahab does another mature thing and says, okay, Jehoshaphat, here's the thing. Um, you are going to go out in your kingly robes and I'm going to go in disguise. You know, I got to say, I, got, I question Jehoshaphat's intelligence at this point in the story. I'm just <laughs> like, dude. Yeah. That's what I have on mine. I just like nothing like painting a big target on you. Yeah, exactly. Might as well like have put him in, in neon clothing with a, with a big sign over his head. It says King shoot here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I pictured like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> With the Good big. Gracious. And Jehoshaphat yeah. does it. Like, oh my word. He does it. I know. He's just going, Jehoshaphat, what is wrong with you? Why would you why would you think this is a good idea? But he goes on with it. And then exactly what you think would happen happens. Because the king of Syria has said, okay. I don't want my men to fight with anybody except for Ahab. Well, who do you think is going to be look like Ahab? It's going to look like the king. And so all the Syrian men, they uh, they go and they try to attack Jehoshaphat. Uh, somehow they realize it's not him. It said that, that Jehoshaphat cried out and somehow they realized, oh, this isn't Ahab. So now they probably, won't. Probably just shouted out who he was. I was thinking yeah. about that, too. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, but uh, but now the Syrian men won't fight with Jehoshaphat. So I, boy, this seems like this would be a very confusing battle. You know, everybody's running around. You get everybody running around and killing everybody, but then like, oh wait, nope, not him, not him. Don't kill him. And so I, they had I could, to have had distinctive uniforms. I mean, they had to have. I guess. I suppose. Like, there's your home team. 
uniform, your home game uniform, and then there's your away game uniform? Like, was it like that? I you know, guess. I've ever looked at, the Israelis had kind of an odd kind of helmet. It was kind of furry. Have you seen those? Yeah. What about Judah, though? Yeah, well, I'm not sure about that one, but it it would definitely make them stand out in a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's, it's just it's just sort of interesting. Well, uh, even more interesting, a random arrow gets fired. I don't know. Somebody's just like, oh, well, I don't know what to do with this. Twang. And his arrow goes flying through and it hits Ahab right between the joints of his armor. Like, nice, lucky shot. I mean, nobody's even actually trying at this point to hit him. It's just a random arrow flies and hits him. And ultimately, it kills him. And this is where we get a little gruesome picture, because later, after the battle, the chariot gets washed at a pool in Samaria. And we're told that just like God warned him, dogs lick up his blood. So it sounds like it was a slow bleeder of a wound because he props himself up in his chariot and he stays at the battle for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. later he dies. Yeah. Yeah. If he, Who knows? If he'd gotten away and had gotten treatment, maybe he wouldn't have bled out. I don't know. It's hard to say. I guess it depends on where it hit him. But but yeah, it didn't obviously it didn't kill him right away. But it, no, it did. It, yeah. But it did get him. Well, at this point in my notes, I shifted over to second chronicles chapter 19 because it picks up after this battle with the syrians yeah and jehoshaphat then returns to jerusalem and a guy named jehu comes to jehoshaphat and he has a message for him would you help the wicked and love those who hate the lord so i took this to be god is displeased with this alliance that jehoshaphat has with ahab at this point helping out a guy who has been so actively working against uh, the kingdom of God, if you want to call it that. Now, uh, it's not like Jehoshaphat has been bad because he did remove the idols, and he was specifically pointed out here that he had prepared his heart to seek God. So uh, it's sort of just like a little reprimand, I think. Like, what are you doing? Why, Why are you hanging out? With why were you hanging out with him in the first place? Now Jehoshaphat. There's a there's a text in one of the Corinthians. I think it's First Corinthians that says, "Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character." Hmm. And it's yeah. it's like you know don't don't flatter yourself that you're above being pulled down to the level of the people you spend time with. So I kind of get that. Oh yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, it's like Jeho- uh, Jehoshaphat just needed a little little wake up there. I mean, I guess you know his his newly found buddy is is dead now, or, or dead, or yeah, dead or dying. And uh, God is like, you know what? You you didn't need to be hanging out with him to begin with. So uh, knock it off. Well, Jehoshaphat he actively starts working to bring people back to God. He sets up judges in the cities of Judah. And specifically instructs him to judge for the Lord. I put that in quotes, for the Lord. I think that's what exactly what was in the Bible. But he said, you're not going to do this with iniquity. You're not going to do this with partiality. And you're certainly not going to do this with any bribes. This is going to be on the up and up. This is going, we are going to be representing God here. And um, you're going to act accordingly. 
And these were Levites and priests that he appointed as judges. And he tells them to act in the fear of the Lord. And the emphasis in the judgments are against trespassing against God. So, yeah, Jehoshaphat is, um, it's a, it really seems like he's a guy who wants to do the right thing. And that little, the little side jump there with, with um, Ahab was almost, it almost seems like it was out of character. Just sort of a little lapse in judgment there. Second Chronicles chapter 20, we have the people of Moab and Ammon now, and they come to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now Jehoshaphat, he is, he's been looking to God for a while, and we're told that he and all of Judah go to God. And Jehoshaphat even proclaims a fast throughout Judah. I love this chapter. Like the way Jehoshaphat handles this, the gist of his prayer, he takes the entire situation and just openly dumps it on God's lap and says, we're out of our league, help. Mm -hmm. And I think I put in my notes that, and I had this highlight is, that's ultimately what God wanted all the kings to do with every situation. And when self got in the way, it it went south all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a, it's a good lesson for us. We tend to get wrapped up in our situations and and despair over over when, when things start to look bad. And if we compare to things like this and like to David. And we look back and go, you know what? Those were times where one of two things either happened. Either I forgot to ask God into it in the first place, or I asked him in, and then I forgot that I asked him in. And Jehoshaphat, he there's a, there's a prayer that gets sent up to God, and it's all about remembering how God is almighty, how he drove out the inhabitants of the land before the people of Israel. And the, he says that, uh, the people will stand before the temple and cry out to God when they are afflicted. And he asks, will God judge Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir? Seir, it was interesting. I think this is, this kind of clued me in. This is kind of where the Syrians, I think this is the Syrians, they get their name, even though the spelling is a little different to here. Seir, S-E-I-R, but um, it's like interchangeable. The people of Mount Seir and the Syrians, I think, are the same thing. Well, God says through Jehaziel at this point, the battle is God's. So don't be afraid. Go ahead and go up against them. But you will not need to fight them. So I kind of thought that was interesting. You're going to go up against them. So prepare, prepare for battle, prepare your men, get everybody ready to go and actually go. But you're not going to have to fight. Yeah, so... um... I'm just going to read this. I'm just going to read this prayer because I, I feel like I, I know I know a lot of people, even people at my work that aren't religious in the slightest, are talking a lot about everybody has this feeling that the world is building up to something big and bad. <clears throat> Everybody's feeling a little overwhelmed. And I, I, I can't even tell you how many times over the last year I've gone back and read this prayer in chapter 20 and then the aftermath of it as well. So starting in verse six, Jehoshaphat prays like he orders like basically a nationwide prayer and fasting thing. And then the prayer goes like this. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. 
Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. Mm. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? We have no power to face this vast enemy that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So everybody stands there and prays, <clears throat> and then here comes, what's his name, Jehaz uh, Jehaziel? Jehaziel. Yeah. And he says, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. The battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Okay, so then they began to sing and praise the Lord, Sent ambushes around against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir and destroyed them. And after they finished, they helped to destroy one another. So when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So my point is this. <clears throat> like just yesterday at work, I was talking to one of the ladies at work, and she was like, she was like, what is going, she was like, she closed her office door and she was like, you know, voice dropped in a hushed, urgent whisper. And she's like, what is going on in this world? Like, she goes, I know so many people that are in a state of near panic because everyone feels like the world is escalating to something that is going to be huge and out of control. And everyone I know is scared. Right. And and I'm feeling that, too. Like there's an urgency in society that is escalating and it's bigger than me and it's bigger than even an entire society. And I think it, I think it's going to be a real mess here pretty soon. And my point is this. There are some battles that we're called to fight as individuals. And it's up to us to hold true to that when we're told, here's your battle, step forward and fight and do it like this, right? There's other times when the stuff that we're facing is so far above our pay grade that it's laughable. And that's when the prayer of Jehoshaphat becomes important. That's where you step back and you say, God, is this not your nation? Did you not put these people in power for a purpose? We don't know what your purpose is but we're going to stand back and watch you do it now. And we're going to have complete faith in you that you do it. If I've got a role, tell me to step forward and do something. Otherwise I'm going to stand here at the ready and I'm going to watch you work. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really was. It really was a, a great prayer and a great message there of, Hey man, I'm, I'm out of, I'm out of my depth here. Yep. I am. I am not in control of this situation. There's nothing I can do to be in control of this situation. And God, you have been leading us to this point. Must have been for a purpose. Yep. So take charge and lead us through it now. And uh, yep. yeah, I think off too often we we for, we forget that we forget that God is leading. And when a situation shows up and we don't know how to handle it, our first inclination is to try to handle it. 
and and that's not to say that we shouldn't uh it's not to say that we should have no effort in the situation at all but understanding trying to keep in mind that there is a way that this is meant to go and having faith that it's going to go the way it's supposed to go mm-hmm. and trying to stay out of the way because uh, we can we can botch things up pretty good if we try to take too much charge try to take too much control over situations that uh, that that arise like this and so yeah when the when when the, the I don't know what do you call them the Judahites I don't know when the when the when the forces of Judah show up to the battlefield everybody's already dead mm-hmm. I mean wow I mean yeah I mean everybody's already dead they've all killed each other like what in the world was going on there with those guys what made them what made them do that we're not given specifics other than they just started fighting each other who knows but uh word gets out about this and now it says we're told the fear of god is in all of the surrounding countries and because of this now jehoshaphat has peace we're told that jehoshaphat reigned in jerusalem for 25 years and that he did not turn away from doing what was right he seemed to really want to try to keep peace with israel though because he says we're told again that he allied with ahaziah ahaziah i think that's how you say that of israel believe this is Ahab's son, but Ahaziah says, or it says that Ahaziah acted very wickedly. Uh, But um, Jehoshaphat and Ahaziah, they try to make some ships to go to Tarshish and Ebion Geber, but God does not allow this. All of the ships get wrecked, and, and this alliance just really goes nowhere. So here's Jehoshaphat again, still trying to work with the king of Israel, mm-hmm. even after God reprimanded him for doing it earlier. It's not yeah. not probably that he wants them to be at war, but he doesn't want Jehoshaphat to be corrupted by, in this case, lowering his intentions to profit by trade, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jehoshaphat's following God. Mm-hmm. So keep following God. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, though. I mean, even though things don't work for him, it's not you don't get the impression that Jehoshaphat really gets punished by God through any of this. He hid the the all of his designs to have this peace with Israel just kind of fall apart. You know, Jehoshaphat is very is really lifted up as being a pretty good example and really trying to do the right thing. And so I sort of take that to be that trying to find peace with your adversary isn't a bad thing it's a good thing to try but when god what 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 when the when the relationship isn't going to work god's just not seems like he's not going to let it work okay so hang on my point is a slightly different than that my point okay. is jehoshaphat is trying to serve god but have alliances with man Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. it's not that it's not that the choices are peace or war. To me, this is Jehoshaphat trying to profit through human alliance when God is leading him instead. Yeah, He's I can see that both sides of the fence. No, I can see that. Well, the way the chapter ends and actually it's kind of actually we jump into first Kings again, just briefly. We're, we're introduced to a king, uh, Jehoram. 
who is Jehoshaphat's son. I'm not given a lot of information in that at the end of that chapter. And also in First Kings, and we're also introduced to a new king of Israel, Ahaziah, which I guess we've just talked about him a little bit here. We know that he's the son of Ahab. Uh, he reigned two years, did evil, served Baal. At this point, this is all we know about him. So both of those kings we get introduced here, but uh, we will learn a little bit more about them in our next episode, which, uh, unless you guys have final thoughts. I have no thoughts. <laughs> I'm in my nothing box. Ooh, Karen found her nothing box. I did. <laughs> I'm going to grow up to be a big, strong man yet. <laughs> oh. Have you seen that, Tracy? There's a video out that talks about like how, how women's minds are like a jumble of wires all crisscrossed and going here, there, and everywhere. And then men's minds are a systematic uh, stack of boxes. There's a box for this and a box for that and a box for this thing over here. And then there's a nothing box. <laughs> and I have, I have told Matt for years that I'm jealous that he has a nothing box and I don't. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. My nothing box is nice and big. <laughs> it is, in fact, where he exists most of the time. Matt, hey, are you having deep thoughts? Nope. What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that I mean that is so true. I mean, I think it was last week. I was having a heck of a time. I was stuck in my nothing box, and I kept trying to just get a little peek out the out the door, and it just uh, it just that door just kept slamming shut in my face, and I had a heck of a time. Finally fixed it with a nap, but uh, <laughs> yeah, oh my that, goodness, naps fix a lot of things. Good choice. Yeah. It was a four-hour nap. I was, I think I was just exhausted. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, next episode, we will learn more about Jehoram and Ahaziah. And that reading is going to, it's going to sound like a lot here, but I think it's going to be, I think it's not going to be terrible. We are going to read Second Kings chapter 1, Second Chronicles. Chapters 21 through 23. And we're going to sneak in the entire book of Obadiah. That sounds like a lot. Obadiah is a tiny little book that when you're flipping through trying to find it, you will go right past it five or six times before you finally go to your table of contents and, and find it and like, oh, there it is. One... I have to, when I'm looking for Obadiah, Obadiah or really any of the other minor prophets, I have to say them out loud in order. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. See, back in my high school days, I took a, a psychology class and <laughs> I loved this teacher. A lot of guys didn't like him very well, but I love this teacher. He was very open about his Christianity and he snuck in a fun little lesson into his psychology class as in the guise of being a uh, um, a memorization technique. And we were we were assigned to memorize all of the books of the Old Testament. And so he made up this fun little story for us to remember. And I remember when we when it gets to um, when it got to Obadiah, you go from Amos to Obadiah. And at some point he was talking about, I think he, he compared Obadiah to an oboe. And I'm trying to remember what comes after Obadiah for that to make sense. Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. So he's talking about 
um, I think at some point you go through Hosea. So he starts, you, you, you blow into this hose and um, something is a big mess. That was Amos. I don't remember. It's been a long time. I don't remember it anymore. <laughs> but he blows into his hose and like an oboe and it blew up to look like a giant whale. And so that's how you remember Obadiah comes right before Jonah. So I remember little bits of it. So I guess the memorization techniques worked, but uh, I didn't keep up with it over the years. So I don't remember the story exactly. It would be be Daniel. If you're doing them in order, it would be Daniel that blew into his big hose. Because it it was uh, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Daphne, Yeah, And who, what, what, I don't remember, what comes right before Daniel? Ezekiel? I think it was like somebody somebody was seeking an eel and then they let out a dumb yell. And, <laughs> yeah. Good heavens. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was fun. It was fun. I remember a lot of people going, Oh, this is so stupid. I'm like, I can use this. <laughs> and here you are in your forties, still using it. Yeah. Yeah. Or is fifties. Hang on, let me look at you here. No, I'm still in my forties. <laughs> I was reminded the other day that, yeah, almost 50, because we was talking with the guy. He's like, yeah, here I am, 50. And he's like, well, I'm only, I'm 49. You know, I was like, well, okay. I turned 49 this year, but, I mean, that's practically 50. And I went, 50? Ooh. No, I turned 50 this year, and I'm just, like, traumatized over this. I'm 50. I'm going to have to send you a video when that happens. Anyway, okay, so, another squirrel. Thanks, Karen. I'm going to blame you. So, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, wow, the editing on this back back end is going to be interesting. So anyway, that will be our readings for next week. 2 Kings chapter 1, 2 Chronicles 21 through 23, and the book of Obadiah. Okay. While you are reading that and waiting for us, remember that you can reach out to us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. Send us an email. Let us know how we're doing let us know if you've got questions about any of the stuff we've talked about. Let us know if you've got questions uh, about anything. I don't know. Just reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Look for us on Facebook. I am going to post on Facebook something that Karen sent out this morning. It was a great little oh, chart. Yeah. Of, it's, a, it was, it's a link to a great chart of all of the kings of Israel and Judah and how they relate time-wise to each other. Um, whether they did good or evil, I'm telling me, let me tell you right now, there's a whole lot of doing evil. And uh, just looking it over, you get a good idea of how how they uh, how they relate to each other. Because I I was looking at how we're going to read next week, and um, I was getting confused by Ahaziah. Well, there's a king Ahaziah in Israel, and yeah. then shortly after him, there's a king Ahaziah in Judah. And yep. uh, you got to keep them straight because there's. There's a story about one of them that absolutely does not apply to the other one. Anyway, so look for that on Facebook. And make sure that you share the podcast with your friends and family and neighbors, loved ones, co-workers. Share it with everybody. Because if you're getting value from this, I suspect they will too. Or at least that is my hope. That's why we do this. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that we can reach you in your feed each and every week. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening.